There we go, okay. A little bit of Led Zeppelin again. I'm in a Led Zeppelin mood the last few weeks. It's over the hills and far away. A uh, lovely Led Zeppelin track uh, from their album, which name escapes me at the moment, I can't remember. And some of you will tell me immediately, oh, but such and such an album. It's their fifth album. The fifth album. The song remains the same. There we go. Third track. Song remains the same. Over the hills and far away. Um, g'day, everyone. My name's Adam Piggott. It's the Pushing Rubber Podcast, episode eleven. It's it's um, Tuesday afternoon in Melbourne, Australia. Very cold day. I think it's around about nine degrees Celsius. But it's down to about five with a wind chill. And for a capital city in Australia, that I mean, if I was back in the Alps, that'd be like pff, nothing. I think the coldest it ever got during the day when I was living in Italy in the Alps was about minus 20 degrees Celsius. That was in a, I think that was February, February 2003. And that was like midday. I mean, oh my God, was it cold. Um, so this doesn't really count, but sometimes I find that it's a bit more of a humid cold here, whereas the Alps is really, really dry. So I don't know. It's a bit, it, it, look, long story short, and I'm starting off a podcast talking about the weather, which is pretty sad, but we've got a decent, um, we've got a decent winter here in Melbourne. Um, all right. Um, alcoholic beverage of the episode. Uh, I'm drinking some Italian red wine. It's about... Well, I'll tell you the time. It's it's two forty in the afternoon. I've just had lunch. Uh, my wife is sick. She's home sick um, with the flu, and I've been looking after her as a good husband should, and making her lots of soup. And uh, now she's on the couch watching some crappy film. I swear, my wife has the worst taste in movies ever. Um, and uh, and I said, well, I'm just I'm just going to go do my podcast. So here we are. So I was drinking some Italian red wine with lunch, and I have some Italian red here. And I don't know what it is. I think it's a Sangiovese, but I'll once again I'll link that in the show notes as I always do. Um, cigar of the episode. I've got a little um, Cohiba Siglo One, which is just like a little Panatella, just like a tiny little cigar. It's such a small cigar. It's like a, it's, it's the size of a cigarette, I suppose. So you don't have to clip the end of it you can just smoke it straight away uh big news this week though i got i per- i purchased my first decent cigar lighter jet flame and it's a cohiba one it's pretty goddamn sexy goddamn sexy really 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 good but today's a very special day today's a good day today's a great day um because today i've finished my second book which is officially titled run guts pull cones um and uh, I finished it today. I got I literally typed the words "the end." It's a strange feeling because I've been working on this book now for six months. Um, by the way, we still have edits to do, and the cover's still not there, so it's going to be another three or four weeks before it comes out. But basically, the structure is as I want it now. It's a weird thing to spend six months doing something, and then technically finish it. Because now what do I do when I get up tomorrow? Well, I know what I'm going to do. I get up tomorrow. I'm doing edits and and touch-ups and rewrites and that sort of thing. But um, the next couple of months, I suppose, will be on marketing this book and getting it out there. And then I've got got to start the next book uh, after that, which I already have 
outlined out more or less how I want it to be. But yeah, today we got to um, yeah got to the end. Um, actually wrote the last sentence. The last sentence. I tell you what, the start of a book, the beginning of the first page of a book is really hard. You have to capture the the reader, draw them in, and the last page of the book is almost as hard. Maybe it's even harder because you have to successfully conclude everything that you've done in a way that leaves the reader feeling, yeah, that was a really good place to finish. Um, I had a lot of people tell me that my first book that was released last year, Pushing Rubber Downhill, that they loved the ending, that they thought it finished in just the right point. Um, I had a few people tell me that they really wanted more. Well, that's great. Now they've got the second book. (laughs) So you can go on out and buy that. Hopefully my birthday's in late August, so hopefully it's out for my birthday. Um, that'd be a really good birthday present, I think, for me. And pretty close. I mean, um, I think Pushing Rubber Downhill was released around my birthday last year as well. I'm not going to tell you my birthday because telling your birthday on the internet basically means you'll get everything stolen. Um, so, um, and no, my birthday on my Facebook is incorrect. That's not right. But that's the big news that I've been having here. Um, a few shout-outs I want to do before we start uh, the blog proper. Let me just do some... uh, First of all, to my one and only eminent and very kind sponsor, Aaron Cleary at Captain Capitalism, who is just gone off on a holiday, his first real holiday, he was saying. Uh, Let me just find his blog here and do a bit of a click on it. Um, But he's off. He's gone west. There we go. He's already got some pics up. Hiking the Flume Trail. Looks pretty nice. Wow, that looks gorgeous. Uh, he's driven his motorbike out west and taken a real holiday. He's the don't know when or where van- vacation, which is great. Maybe he'll listen to this podcast uh, on his vacation. So, Aaron, stay safe out there, mate. Uh, don't drive late in the afternoon dusk when uh, the deer and the antelopes play. You're jumping across the road in front of your motorbike. Uh, and Aaron... Um, blogs at captaincapitalism.blogspot.com he has his arsehole consulting which i have used in the past in fact he had a video up um he's got a video up this week about the melbourne property market and in the video he says that he had another client ask him about that about a year ago well that client was me um i originally approached aaron and said look we were thinking of purchasing in melbourne um we're really unsure about this Aaron said to me, it's going to cost you a bit here because I have to do a lot of research on this. I went, that's fine because the amount of money that's going to cost is completely insignificant in comparison to taking out a mortgage in Melbourne. And because of Aaron's uh, research and the discussion that we had, uh, I decided not to purchase any property and it was a darn good move. So there you go, Arsenal Consulting, Aaron Cleary. Um, he's definitely good stuff. Um I also want to give a shout-out, and this is a little bit weirder, but bear with me. I want to give a shout-out to a city in Sweden called, I think you pronounce it, Halmstad. Halmstad? Halmstad? Okay. Um, I can see my stats. And look, I'm only getting about 100, 150 listeners per episode so far, but it's only been going for a couple of months. Uh, I'm really happy with this beginning, to be honest. 
Um, it's slowly building up. Um, if you like the podcast, please follow the podcast. Actually, the following the podcast is really interesting because when I first launched this on SoundCloud, I was like, within like an hour, I had like 10 people following me. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. 10 people following me on SoundCloud. Um, and <laughs> and it's just, I think they were just bots that like you're supposed to follow them as well. And I didn't, I don't, I'm not going to follow you just because you followed me. If you want to follow me, that's fantastic, but you're not going to get this reciprocality thing going. I'll follow you if I'm I'm listening to what you're putting out. That's it. So anyway, they've been slowly dropping off as other people have slowly been following me. So it's like my numbers have just been hovering around 20 people following me. It's just like, oh, someone's followed you. Hey, but that's the same number of people. Was, oh, okay, I've had none of those bots leave me because I didn't follow them. That's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Holmstad in Sweden because that is the city. I can look at here at the stats and see top countries, uh, and the top country of my listeners is the United States. Um, but the second top country is Sweden, and the top city is Holmstad. I think um, in the last week we'll say... Yeah, let's have a look. Times that. Four twos. Um, 20% of my listeners have been from Holmstead in Sweden. Uh, I've had over 40 listens. So it's either one really hot Swedish chick, because that's what you have to assume, obviously. It's either one really hot Swedish chick listening to me 40 times, or there's a little, there's a little um, Adam Pickett fan club going in Holmstead. So... If that's the case, big shout out to Homestead. Love what you're doing. Keep listening. Brilliant stuff. Okay. So uh, let's get into this, uh, all this stuff aside. Uh, the first thing I want to talk today about is bragging. Bragging. And I'd, I'd say a lot of young guys out there um, do a bit of bragging. Um, now, this has come up for me because of a. I, I still frequent the 2 plus 2 poker forums. And I still play poker. In fact, I've been playing poker a lot more now than I ever have because uh, of my lifestyle is now conducive to it. Um, so I, I have been going back onto the strategy strategy forums on 2 plus 2, and I haven't been there for 10 years or so. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot of new players on there there's a lot of new players who, and and by the new players I mean new people on the forum. They've only maybe regged this year, so they're 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 very very recent. Anyway, there was this there was this hand where all of this um, a couple of guys were were giving this advice on this particular no limit hold'em hand, and the, the advice was terrible. That they were, I mean, really 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 bad. And so a, a couple of other posters uh, called him out on it um, and said some of the stuff that they were saying is pretty far-fetched. And one of the responses that was great, I'm getting it here, um, was uh, pretty good. I just need to find it. I should have, I, I know. You're like, Adam, why didn't you find the response that you wanted? Um so there's two responses. So there's one guy here saying, 
I have an overall win rate of nine big bets an hour, which is quite a lot, to be honest, especially at No Limit Hold'em. A win rate of 13.5 big bets an hour during peep times. Uh, a session win percentage of 76%, and in 850 hours, I've never lost more than three sessions in a row, and I haven't lost more than three buy-ins. Then how far-fetched can my ideas really be? Um, for a start, 850 hours in poker is nothing. It's a complete, it's like, but when you're, when you're questioned on something that you've said, so the hands put up, and this can be anything in life, okay, the hand, but in this case, it's a poker hand analysis. So the hands put up, put up, being put up, this guy said, this is my advice. Everyone said, well, your advice is wrong for this reason. And then his response, instead of defending his advice coherently and logically is to say well i've won all this money another guy uh got in on the act um and he got called out for being an idiot as well and his response was even more hilarious and the thread eventually got locked um and I think, oh, I just seen that the, the guy who was a really dead got banned. <laughs> I was like, this is really recent. So there we go. Uh, but I'm really just trying to find um, here what this guy said. Um, and he's basically, oh, here we go. Um, uh, I've won all this money. Uh, I'm still up, I'm up 30K so far, $30,000 up so far this year with a brand new Mini Cooper in my driveway. Thanks for asking. Maybe you can borrow some mummy, some money from your mummy so you can get back to the tables. So he's bragging about having a Mini Cooper in his driveway as a response to his terrible, terrible poker advice. Right. Look, bragging. Um... If you have to brag about something, if you have to brag about anything at all as a reaction to anything, you've you've just lost. Right at that point, you've lost. You've lost the whole argument. Okay? So this guy, he's given out his advice. He's been called on it, and he's saying, well, I've, I'm up 30K, and I've got a brand-new Mini Cooper in my driveway. Yeah? At that point, you've, you've, you've completely lost lost the argument and you've said a lot of stuff you've communicated a lot of stuff bragging is like okay i'll give you another poker analogy for this let's say you've got pocket aces best hand starting hand you can get in poker in hold'em which is what i play and if you're not a poker player why the fuck aren't you because it's a great game it's better than chess and i love chess okay it's better than backgammon and i love backgammon Poker's just an amazing game. You should be playing it so you can give me all your money because you'd probably be a donator. But anyway, let's say you've got pocket aces and it's a raise before the flop and you get to the flop and it's a, it's a scary flop. Let's say it's a really scary flop. Let's say it's 10 jack, queen, all hearts. You've got no hearts in you. You haven't got the ace of hearts. And there's a big bet before you and then there's another big bet and there's another call. And you look down at your pocket aces, and right now you know <laughs> this hand's over for you. <laughs> There's no way you're continuing. Right? A lot of other people are interested in this hand a lot more 
than what you are, and there's no way you're winning at this point. So you fold your pocket aces, but as you fold, you flip them up. So you show everyone what you had. What you're, what you're trying to say is, look at me, look how good I am. I'm good enough to fold pocket aces here. And what you're asking for is a pat on the back. You're asking for your opponents to say that you're a really talented uh, guy and a great player. That's, that's the only reason that you're giving out this free information. But what you're really doing is you're just giving everyone information that you can lay down pocket aces. Which means if I'm watching, I could think, oh shit, he can lay down pocket aces. I wonder what else I could push him off with a bit of bluffing in some other hand in the future. So you've given away information for no reason at all because you are after, you are after someone telling you that you're okay, that you're a, a good, skilled person. So let's go back to our Mini Cooper, Cooper brag. And Jesus Christ, bragging about having a Mini Cooper in your driveway. I mean, fuck. Wow. If, someone, if, if you're having an argument with someone and their response is you to say, well, I made 30K this year and I've got a Mini Cooper in my driveway, the best response for you is to say absolutely nothing at all, is to just look at them. That's 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 your best reaction. Now, the person who's just bragged to you and said that I've got the Mini Cooper in my driveway, by your non-reaction, the bragger will then assume that their brag has won you over, that they have somehow risen above the fact that their original information was dog shit, which is the reason they had to brag in the first place. So the bragger thinks that they've bested you. Yeah? You, on the other hand, who've kept quiet, have a lot more information at your disposal. Number one, you know that this person needs to brag to build themselves up. And by the way, the person bragging about having a Mini Cooper and 30K, I mean, it's very unaware. There's no self-awareness going here. Um, how do they know that they're not talking to someone with five Rolls Royces, a Ferrari, and, you know, an Aston Martin in their driveway? Yeah. So they've got no self-awareness at all. So that's the first thing you know. The person bragging has completely no self-awareness. They are just assuming they're desperate if they have to brag about a Mini Cooper and 30K. Hey, they might be besting you. You might not have any car in your driveway and you might have three bucks in the bank, but they're still a desperate one at this point. The second thing that you know is that you know what they're thinking about you now. You know that they're thinking that you're completely overawed by their amazing Mini Cooper. But in actual fact, you're not. So you, in effect, know exactly where they're at in a mental point of view, whereas they've got no idea where you're at because they're not even thinking about that. Now, you might be wondering to yourself, well, why is this, why is this good information? Well, let's change this around. 
Let's make it a business negotiation. Uh, let's make it a job interview. If I'm at a job interview and the person who's the interviewer, so I'm going for the job, if the interviewer is bragging to me, that's telling me a lot. It's really telling me a lot right there. And that's always my goal when I'm in something like this, is always to make the other person talk more than I do. At least, look, I want to talk at most 30% and they're talking 70. If I can get it 90, 10, that's fucking beautiful. Yeah, You want them to talk because the person talking, it's ironic since I'm doing a podcast, I'm talking the whole time, but the person talking is the one giving out information. Get them talking. Bragging? Brilliant. Yeah? Okay. But don't say anything. It's nod. Raise an eyebrow. Scratch your nose. Uh, we used to be able to take out and light a cigarette, which was a fantastic prop, but we're not allowed to do that anymore because the world sucks unless you live in somewhere like Africa and Africa's not worth putting up with Africa just to be able to smoke cigarettes wherever you want. That's a bit of a diversions. The point is that bragging just shows weakness every single time. Uh, and it's been the case throughout my whole life. Uh, let's say a guy's bragging about the n- number of girls that he slept with. Why do you need to do? Wh- why do you need to say that? The only reason you, should, you could possibly need to brag about the amount of girls you've slept with is because you're insecure about the amount of girls that you slept with, which means you haven't slept with many girls. See how much information's coming out right now? Or maybe they brag about how they're fantastic they are at their job. We used to see this in rafting all the time. All the time we get... I'm Jim Bob and I've been rafting on the Colorado. And oh, okay, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been rafting here and I've been rafting there and I've been rafting everywhere. Okay, man. Cool. You're cool. You know, we, I've only literally just fucking met, met you and you won't shut up about your Jim Bob from the Colorado and you've been rafting here and rafting there. Yeah, but hmm. We get down to the river and the whole time, the whole bus trip, two-hour bus trip to the river, just fucking crapping on and on and on and on. Everything they've done. Never once asking us anything about the river. Never once asking us anything about ourselves or where some of us have rafted. Just this monotone, and it was just complete insecurity. And I saw it time and time again. And of course, we get to the river, and they're completely over their head. It's completely over their head. Their ability is not even close to the situation, which is why they were mouthing off the whole time. They were trying to talk themselves up in their own mind. It's such a giveaway. It's such a huge giveaway. Whereas the guys who rocked up introduce themselves quietly and then don't say boo, well, guess what? Most of the time it turned out they knew what they were doing. And the ones that didn't know what they were doing had the brains enough to know that they were over their head and were shutting up so they could learn as much as they could. Bragging is just a, just a huge giveaway to weakness. Huge giveaway. And especially with younger guys. With younger guys, older, older guys, guys in their, you know, middle age, you don't tend to see the bragging anywhere near as much as you do with guys in their teens and in their 20s and early 30s. But if you're out there and you're, um, and you're a guy in that age, you see it all the time. And it's, it's just, it's, it's like this huge sticker that they've just stuck on their forehead, which is saying, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm very insecure. Um, and my only way to deal with this is to talk big. Your correct response is not to call them out because they're just going to arc up, and they're just going to they, they and, and they'll want to arc up. They want to start a fight because then it's a distraction away from the thing that they're trying to hide. So your best result 
your best response, sorry, which will get you your best result, is to simply say nothing. Observe. File away. Yeah? Because what you're seeing in front of you is weakness. That's what you're seeing. Now, what about if you're the bragger? What about if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're starting to feel very uncomfortable because you're the type of person who brags a lot? Okay. Well, that's not so great, is it? Well, yes, it is. You're self-aware. You've got enough self-awareness to listen to this podcast. Hear something that is your character attribute that you currently do. You've just heard about it and you're not happy about it. And you're self-aware to recognize that. Look, half the battle, guys, half the battle, look, not even half the battle, three quarters of the battle is self-recognition of identifying your own weaknesses and admitting them to yourself. That's most of the battle. Identifying your own weaknesses, admitting them to yourself. I can't tell you the amount of times that I tried to help guys, let's say in the situation of bragging, I had a situation, this is in my second book actually, I'll tell you, this happened, and it's ironic because in my first book, I, I talk about how I became a whitewater rafting guide and I lied uh, to get my way into the job. And as soon as I realized that I was in over my head, all I did was get, put my head down and it was yes sir, no sir, three bags, full sir to every river guide around me because I was not going to insult them by continuing this charade that was obviously never going to work in a million years. By continuing the charade, I'd be insulting their intelligence and their, and their own abilities, and that wouldn't get me anywhere. And I was smart enough, I was dumb enough to lie, but I was smart enough to realise that. So then we go to this situation that I had in Italy, and there was a, um, I described this one in my second book, Briefly, there was a uh, South African guy called Rolf who had rocked up to the Italian Valley where I ended up working uh, the winter before I got there, had got talking to the owner and talked himself into a job. And then six months later, the season starts. He's there. He's a South African guy there with his wife. Um, And look, he was a nice enough fellow, but he was very nervous all the time and the nervous the nervousness um translated into into agitation uh he was a pretty good kayaker but in a raft well i mean he was dealing with there was me there let me see who else there was there was maz there was jeno um and there were a couple of other guys nick and josh really experienced river guides i'd worked with maz and jeno back in um Cairns on the Tully. I'd worked with Jenna on the White Nile as well. In fact, we both came over together. And uh, it was obvious to all of us that Rolf didn't know what he was doing on the river. Now, as far as getting the raft, being able to get the raft from point A to point B to get it down the river and not kill everyone, he was able to do that. He was able to do that. But what he wasn't able to do was to guide a trip. See, the thing is, when you're guiding, let's say there's three ra- let's say there's two rafts on the river. There's me and there's Rolf. If something happens to me, if I get flung out of my boat 
and then caught under a rock and I've got about 60 seconds on a breath hold and my hand is sticking up out of the water in the current, there's only one guy at that moment that's going to save me and that's the other rafting guide on the trip. That's why we never do one guide trips. There's always a minimum of two rafting guides on a trip. If, it's, if there's only one boat, there's two guides in the boat. And that's because if the shit goes down and one of the guides is in trouble, the only other person who can help him is the other guide. So what this guy didn't get was the fact that he was just an island. There'd be five rafts going down a river. He wouldn't turn his head. He wouldn't be looking at the other around him. And things when things go wrong on a river, on an alpine, glacier-fed, very steep whitewater river, Things tend to go wrong fairly quickly. So if you're glancing behind you every 30 seconds, if you don't glance behind you two or three times in a row, that's enough for a guy to be dead. That's how fast it can happen. So he wasn't turning his head. He wasn't seeing what was going on around him. He didn't understand the bigger picture of what was going on because he was so focused on and freaked out by the way because he was hiding as well the fact that he wasn't a guide we knew he wasn't a guide anyway his way of dealing with this situation was to talk himself up was to start bragging to big note himself it's one thing to be out in the river with someone who doesn't know what they're doing it's another thing entirely to have them big noting themselves to you off the river and telling you how great they are because the inference is that you're not. And we weren't too happy about this. So one day we got to the end of a trip and we were, our crews were walking the rafts up the steep slope to the van. And I pulled him aside and I said, look, mate, we all know that you're not a guide. We all know that you're blagging this. We know that you're pretending, and that's fine. I've been in that situation before. What you need to do is get on board. You need to get on board, and you need to understand that we'll get you through this system. This We'll get you through this season. We'll make you a better river guide. But you have to stop all this bullshitting around, and you have to start improving in areas that are really important on the river so that you understand how a trip runs well. I'm giving you this chance. And I was genuine. I was being genuine. I wasn't trying to trap him or anything like that. We got to the point where something had to be done. He could have reacted one or two ways at that moment. He could have said, all right, man, yeah, I really appreciate the help. Yep, yep, any help you guys can give me are fucking awesome. Or he could go the other way. And the other way is the way he went. And he turned around and he told me to go fuck myself. He got very aggro with me, and I was very calm. I said, fine, that's fine. So we got back to the base, and we went down to see the owner, who was a river guide himself, but he didn't like going on the river anymore. And there were three or four of us there, and we said, show us this resume, this chap. Pulled out the resume, said he'd worked in X location. One of the guides says, well, I worked in X location. He wasn't there at that time. We pulled it all to pieces, made a few phone calls, sent a few emails. It was all bogus. Gone. He was gone. See you later. Moral of the story? Well, bragging's not great. 
but also that self-awareness thing. That's what I was talking about originally, yeah. If he'd had a bit of self-awareness and he'd realised that I really actually was trying to help him, I wasn't trying to trip, trick him into admitting that he didn't know what he was doing. Because really, we, we didn't need to trick him into telling us he didn't know what he was doing. We knew he didn't know what he was doing. But he was so far gone of not knowing what he was doing that he couldn't even recognise that. So there was completely no self-awareness at all. You see how far he was lost. He couldn't even take the lifeline that I gave him because he couldn't see the lifeline. All he could see was a trap because that's what he would have done in my situation if he were me. He couldn't see beyond that. It's like you've got a cat that's lived in your house for its whole life and you're trying to tell him, the cat, what the globe is, that there's actually, you know, there's a world out there and blah, blah, blah. This is just no way. I mean, but you know that and he doesn't. It's kind of like that. They can't make that jump. That intellectual jump. They just can't do it. Now, I'm not saying this guy was a cat. It's an analogy. No, no, maybe maybe Rolf's listening to this after all these years. I don't know. It was about 16 years ago, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. So, I was talking about self-awareness. If you're listening to me now talking about bragging and you're, and you're recognising the fact that you do that, well, guess what? You're way in front of this guy. Way in front. Like I said, self-awareness, that's 70% of it. That's three quarters of it. If you can get the self-awareness down so that you can recognize your own shortcomings and your own weaknesses, then you're, you're mostly there. You're not all there. <laughs> you have to stop bragging or you have to stop lying or whatever the, the weakness is. But admitting that to yourself, recognizing your own personal shortcomings is the most important step of all. That's it. And no one can do that for you. No one can do that for you at all. The old saying, you can, you can lead a horse to water, blah, 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 blah. Another drink of my excellent red wine. So a few things to sum up here. First of all, if you if you drive a Mini Cooper, you're a douchebag. Uh, it's just it's obvious, I think. Um, so if you're listening to this now and you've got a Mini Cooper in your driveway, you better sell that motherfucker pretty quick, because well, how can you brag about a Mini Cooper? How can you have a Mini Cooper after someone like this idiot has bragged about it in that way? Come on, really? So get rid of your Mini Cooper. If you were thinking about buying a Mini Cooper. What? Why? So you can be a douchebag? Please, you don't want to do that. If you're not playing poker, why aren't you? It's the best game in the world. Seriously, that. by the way, that's not... Okay, cricket's the very best game in the world. But poker's the best recreational game in the world. I mean, we're talking strategy, we're talking math, we're talking psychology. I've already done a poker episode. I should have talked you into it then. Yeah? If you're not interested, I mean, I don't know how you could not be interested in poker. I think I started playing poker when I was nine. Took all the local kids' money. <clears throat> Bragging. Bragging's weakness. Bragging is insecurity. Bragging is you're lacking something, so you're trying to make up for that by bragging. Yeah? So if you see someone bragging, remember, don't call them out. Don't call them out. 
Oh man, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just nod your head. Because as soon as you call them out and go, oh, bullshit, man, what are you talking about? You haven't done that. Oh, fuck it, bad What are you trying to do? Why do you want that shit? You're just, you're, just, you're just buying into their lie. Actually, one of the funniest things you'll ever see is, is a bragger who brags to another bragger. Hey, man, yeah, man, I got, what are you talking about? I got 30K in a Mini Cooper. What are you talking about, man? I got 35K and I've got this really sweet ride, man. <laughs> the hell? Don't want to acknowledge a bragger. Nod your head. You know that they're insecure. You know where they're at psychologically at that moment, and you know which box they've put you in. That's the most important one. Yeah? yeah then, then you just stick yourself one level above them, and it's like manipulation. I'm just going to reach out now, and I've got puppet on a string. <laughs> when you're playing poker, one of the, one of the, the big traps that uh, new players of the game who are studying the game a lot fall into is they outsmart themselves at the table. So they correctly recognise that their opponent is not that, that good. And let's say their opponent's on level B. Now, the next better level from level B will say is level C. So level A is the dumbest, worst poker player of all time. So this guy's level B. All you need to do to beat the level B poker player is to put yourself at level C. That's it. Because the aim of the game in poker is to win money. It's not to be the best player in the world. I, I see this all the time. I see like guys who... who I know guys who are professional poker players. I've got a very good friend who's been a professional poker player for over 15 years. And I think his average has been about 100, 150,000 euros a year playing poker. I'm one of the very few people that knows he plays poker for a living. Most other people just think... He does something else at the office. He lives in Europe. Now, this guy, that's pretty good, isn't it, by the way? That's about what? He's made $1.5 million per euros over the last 10 years of poker. That's all right. Tax-free. Don't have to play tax in Europe. That's pretty good. There's people I know who would denigrate him because... He seeks out the worst players he can. He seeks out the the worst players, which are the best games. Oh, well, if you're only beating no, that quality of player, you mustn't be very good. But, okay, well, I'm supposed to go up against Phil Ivey, the best poker player in the world, is it, and beat him, and now I'm the best poker player? Yeah, 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 yeah. They've, these guys are stupid. They're completely missing the point of the game. The point of the game is to win money. If you want to win money, you put yourself in the best games. The best games have the worst players. Ipso facto, there you go. So, back to my example. You've identified a guy playing at level B. You need to put yourself at level C. What do new poker players do? They put themselves at level F because that's what they've been studying. And they outthink themselves and the B-level poker player beats them because they tried to be too smart. So, it's amazing how I've managed to keep my train of thought here. So, if the individual is bragging, you know what box they put you into if you say nothing. Because I've just told you in this podcast. So they put you in level B, 
You just have to be in level C to be able to manipulate them. Don't like the sound of that? Doesn't sound very nice? But everything's like that. Every job interview you've done has been a, a manipulation game. Every job that you've done has been a manipulation game. Every relationship that you've had has been a manipulation game. Every friendship that you've had, just about, has been a manipulation game. The only really true friendships in the world are the ones that are free of the manipulation game. I think I can count my number of true friends on one hand. Otherwise, it's a manipulation game. It might be a soft manipulation. It's not going to be a hard one. That's always there. Your family members, you're always manipulating each other. What do you think guilt trips and emotional blackmail is? So learn to recognise what level people are on. I think I'll call this the bragging episode. I think that's a good name for this episode, the bragging episode. That's an excellent name. I don't want to brag too much about how good this episode's been. You can tell me. Um, There we go. The bragging episode on Pushing Rubber Downhill with your host, Adam Piggott. I blog at pushingrubberdownhill.com. Oh, a shout-out to the other McCain, um, who were very kind last week. Uh, The other McCain is is the blog. I have it on my um, list here, but that's the blog of um, a journalist, uh, Robert McCain, in and... uh, his sidekick, Smitty, has been a journalist for over 30 years in the United States, and they've included me in their mailbox. So every few days they have a ripped from the headlines and in their mailbox, and they've included me in that, which has been absolutely fantastic for my blogging numbers. Um, so thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate that. And uh, uh, hopefully you are liking the posts a lot that you're linking to. Um, my book, Pushing Rubber Downhill, um, my, uh, my, um, editor contacted me this week and we've been out of contact for a bit. Um, and he said, here's what he said. I couldn't help but take a look at the cover copy you're using to sell Pushing Rubber Downhill. That's my first book. I hope you don't mind me playing around without a better catch potential reader's eyes. A book's cover copy needs to be short and hook the reader fast. Here's what I came up with. It might be helpful for you to put something like this, put up something like this and see if it makes a difference in sales. Totally up to you though. And here's what he, he did. Here's his blurb. I rode across the Australian desert with no supplies but what I could carry. All to follow a beautiful girl I barely knew. But she broke my heart. Now I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere. No money, no friends, no family, no plan. Only the dangerous white waters and a company looking for river rafting guides. All I need to do is convince them that I have any clue what I'm doing. Even if I don't drown, I have to survive liars, thieves, crazy bosses, witch doctors and coffee bandits, and that's only the beginning. Adam is a charming rogue who's hilarious and eye-opening international escapades led him on an irresistible adventure about how to change your life by daring to do the impossible. There you go. So that's my editor's blurb for pushing rubber downhill. If that interested you, 
you can get it in paperback off uh, Amazon or go into any bookshop. You can order it in the world. Book Depository has it. Everyone has it. Uh, it's on Kindle. So you can download it right now. You could download my book right now and start reading about the crazy adventures I have had. Or it's on an audiobook written by Dave, uh, read by David Serini. Um, so you can get that off audible.com uh, free if you sign up for a membership. So there you go. This has been probably one of the longer podcasts I've done. Um, and um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you all. I hope you have a good, safe week. Until next time, this is Pushing Rubber Downhill signing out.